Welcome to another episode of A Minder. This week, we have three episodes on neuronal and synaptic function, and in this one, we'll be covering papers that were published in September of 2021 that target neuronal and synaptic protection in Alzheimer's disease. So give it a listen if you're interested in this area. Welcome to A Minder, a podcast where we summarize the latest publications on Alzheimer's disease for you so you can spend more time doing awesome research. For every month, you'll find a series of episodes by theme, and each comes with a bibliography. Whether you're in the lab, on the bus, or cooking your meal, we hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. Hello, everyone. My name is Anusha, and I'll be your host for this episode. We have 12 papers split up over three sections, including targeting amyloid beta-induced toxicity, neuronal morphology, and restoring neuronal function in models of Alzheimer's disease. As I go through the episode, you'll hear me refer to amyloid beta as A-beta and Alzheimer's disease as AD. Before we get started, a quick but sincere thank you to our sponsor, the Canadian Consortium on Neurodegeneration in Aging. They have provided us with funding that will go towards sustaining us on our podcast hosting platforms and much-needed purchases to keep our volunteer operations running. Our sponsorship will not affect our content or the papers that we cover, but you'll hear a few words from them during our intermission, and we'll mention any papers affiliated with or funded by the CCNA when we come across them. As for the content of our episodes, we summarize abstracts that were indexed on PubMed and therefore published in peer-reviewed journals. Although we do make an effort to remain unbiased, please don't take our word for the quality of these findings. You can make your own judgments by finding these papers in our free bibliographies listed in the order in which they appear in today's episode. To access our free bibliographies, head to today's episode notes for a link or simply visit our website. Okay, let's get started on our first paper in our first section targeting A-beta-induced toxicity. The paper is titled, The Protective Effects of Agomelatine Against A-beta-1-42 Oligomers Induced Cellular Senescence Mediated by SIRT6 and Agomelatine's Potential in AD Treatment. The first author is Wang, and the last author is also Wang, and this was published in the journal Human Cell. The authors are affiliated with the university and hospitals in Sichuan, China. In our first paper of the episode, authors explore the antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties of a popular antidepressant called agomelatine. First, they looked at its therapeutic effects and a potential mechanism behind them using an A-beta 1-42 induced in vitro model in SHSY5Y or sushi cells. Treatment with agomelatine was able to attenuate the inflammatory response to A-beta, and this effect may involve the enzyme beta-galactosidase, as this was found to be reduced in the treated cells. Treatment also reduced the levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines such as TNF-alpha and interleukin-1-beta. Finally, agomelatine treatment reversed the suppression of SIRT6 by A-beta, and this is a pathway that contributes to cell senescence or aging. I'd be interested in seeing its effects in a more complex AD model, but let's leave it at that for now. Paper number two is entitled Coeloglossum viridae var bracteatum 
Extract attenuates A-beta-induced toxicity by inhibiting RIP1-driven inflammation and necroptosis. The first author is Lee, and the last author is Keen, and this was published in the Journal of Ethnopharmacology. The authors belong to various institutes in China. We're going back to nature for our next potential therapeutic, as this story starts with the Tibetan ginseng plant, known as Wangla. The extract from this plant was tested for protection against A-beta-induced toxicity in cultured neurons and in A-beta-treated mice. In vitro, it was found that toxicity could be attenuated by altering the levels of BDNF, FGF2, and TRAC-B AKT signaling pathways, which can be pro-survival. The extract also modulated the RIP1 pathway, which reduced cell death and inflammation. In mice, behavioral differences were attenuated with ginseng treatment, and similar changes to survival and inflammation-related signaling were found as was found in vitro. Ultimately, this plant can antagonize apoptosis and protect neuronal function in in vitro and in vivo models of AD. Up next is paper number three, targeting transthyretin in Alzheimer's disease, drug discovery of small molecule chaperones as disease-modifying drug candidates for Alzheimer's disease. The first author is Kotrina, and the last author is Arsakel, and this was published in the European Journal of Medicinal Chemistry. Authors span across Spain and Portugal. In our next paper, we are not directly inducing AD-like symptoms with A-beta, but rather targeting its endogenous interactions with a compound that has proven to be neuroprotective in AD. That compound is called transthyretin, and this group of researchers combined computational approaches with biological assays to validate their screening methods. Through their sorting and testing methods, the details of which you can find in the paper itself, they identified five drugs that could function as chaperones that stabilize transthyretin-A-beta interactions. These include compounds that are already being used in clinical settings and can therefore be repurposed easily. To conclude, their methodology found drugs like iododiflunacel, luteolin, Solindac, Olsalazine, and Flufenamic, which could all be of use for neuroprotection in AD through their effects on transthyretin. Before we move on to our next section, I want to take a short break to convince you to join me and the editing team here at Aminder. We are responsible for the high-quality, polished episodes you hear, and our team is looking to grow so that we can cover even more episodes in a month. If you're interested in learning the ropes, send us an email at aminderpodcast at gmail.com. We do have other positions on our team if you're interested in those. I find it to be a rewarding auditory and visual challenge, and I love working behind the scenes to get the best out of our hosts. So if you want to feel like a superhero after editing out mistakes seamlessly, please reach out to me and to the Aminder team. Our next set of papers will be focusing on restoring neuronal morphology and promoting neurogenesis. It begins with paper number four. Salsapinia mimosoides leaf extract promotes neurite outgrowth and inhibits base 1 activity in mutant APP overexpressing neuronal 2A cells. The first author is Rangsinth, and the last author is Tenkomnau. And this was published in the journal Pharmaceuticals, which comes from Basel, Switzerland. 
Authors are mostly affiliated with Nchula Longkorn University in Thailand. Once again, we're looking to a natural source for treatment development. This time is the extract from the leaves of the mimosa thorn plant. The authors here are targeting neurite outgrowth, as this can be impeded by too much amyloid precursor protein, or APP. They used an APP overexpressing in vitro model to compare the effects of this extract not only on neurite outgrowth, but also on base 1 inhibition, which can reduce A-beta generation. They found that this extract promotes neurite outgrowth in both APP overexpressing and wall-type cells. It was also shown to suppress base 1 activity in APP overexpressing cells and therefore could serve as another source of AD drugs in the future. If you're interested in the pharmacology or molecular interactions, they go into much more detail in the abstract and the paper. Moving on to paper number 5, we have a diselenide bond containing ROS-responsive ruthenium nanoplatform delivers nerve growth factor for Alzheimer's disease management by repairing and promoting neuron regeneration. The first author is Yuan, and the last author is Liu, and this was published in Journals of Material Chemistry B. Authors are affiliated with Jinan University in China. This next abstract was super interesting to me. It's about a novel drug delivery system for nerve growth factor that is actually activated by reactive oxygen species. So in theory, it will deposit into all cells, but be activated only in the diseased areas of the brain. This drug delivery system was referred to in the paper as ruthenium nanoplatform, and it was shown to cross the blood-brain barrier. Moreover, in vivo, this system was able to deliver nerve growth factor and reduce A-beta deposition and mediate A-beta-induced toxicity. They don't mention which model they used to test this in vivo, so be sure to check out the paper for more details. With paper number 6, we head to the journal Cerebral Cortex, where we find RGS-14414 mediated activation of the 1433 zeta in rodent perirhinal cortex induces dendritic arborization, an increase in spine number, long-lasting memory enhancement, and the prevention of memory deficits. The first author is Navarro Lobato, and the last author is Khan, and the authors are affiliated with universities in Spain and Greece. RGS-14414 is a gene that stands for regulator of G-protein signaling 14 of 414 amino acids. The full form of the encoded protein, RGS-14, suppresses hippocampal signaling. So the idea here is to overexpress the truncated form that wouldn't have the potential to suppress signaling as it lacks GTPase activity. Expression of the truncated form in the perirhinal cortex improved object, improved object recognition memory in rats, and they found a corresponding increase in BDNF protein levels and increased dendritic arborization and spine number in this region. Deleting BDNF or knocking down the upstream 1433-zeta gene attenuated the improvement. They also found that this treatment was able to prevent changes to object recognition, spatial, and temporal memory in a rodent model of AD. To summarize, the authors provide mechanistic insight into the therapeutic potential of reducing RGS-14 activity in rodent brains. 
Paper number seven is entitled Tail Vein Injection of MSC-Derived Small Extracellular Vesicles Facilitates the Restoration of Hippocampal Neuronal Morphology and Function in APPPS1 Mice. There are actually two first authors here, co-first authors Wang and Liu, and the last author is Long. This was published in Cell Death Discovery, and the authors are affiliated with several institutes that are spread across China. In this paper, the authors use extracellular vesicles from mesenchymal stem cells, which have previously shown promise in treating neurological diseases. However, the mechanism of action is not well known in an AD context. The authors set out to investigate the mechanism in hippocampal neurons that were treated with A-beta and also looked at sushi cells and APPPS1 mice, examining measures of behavior, morphology, calcium signaling, and electrophysiology. They found evidence that these extracellular vesicles reduced A-beta aggregation in the hippocampus and neuron loss in AD mice. Changes to calcium flux, action potentials, mitochondria, and neuronal morphology were also restored in the hippocampus of AD mice. Mechanistically, nuclear factor E2-related factor 2 was implicated. This seems to me like a very well-rounded paper demonstrating the efficacy of mesenchymal stem cell-derived extracellular vesicles, but why don't you check that for yourself by finding paper number 7 in the bibliography. Our eighth paper of the episode is entitled Mesenchymal Stem Cells Act as Stimulators of Neurogenesis and Synaptic Function in a Rat Model of Alzheimer's Disease. The first author is Dosh Manziari, and the last author is Zafari, and this was published in the journal Helion. The authors are affiliated with various institutes in Iran. Mesenchymal stem cells are still the focus here as we move on to our next paper. Here, instead of extracting compounds from stem cells, they actually inject human umbilical and adipose-derived mesenchymal stem cells directly into the hippocampus of AD rats. This time, we actually find out what they mean by AD rats in that these were induced with A-beta 1-42 treatment. Transplantation with mesenchymal stem cells reduced A-beta deposition, reduced apoptosis, and increased synaptogenesis and neurogenesis. These effects occurred through the upregulation of synaptophysin and GAP43 protein levels, respectively. Behavioral assays also indicated that stem cell transplantation could improve learning and cognitive impairment in this model of AD. Before we move on to our next section, let's take a small break to hear from our sponsor. Nearly 1 million older Canadians live with a form of dementia. This number is expected to double within 10 years, and sadly no solutions exist yet to dramatically reduce these numbers. It has to stop. Research can help solve this problem. We are 350 researchers fully dedicated towards preventing and finding a cure to dementia, and to improve care to those living with dementia. We are the Canadian Consortium on neurodegeneration and aging. The solution to dementia could be closer than you think. Welcome back. We have one final section for this episode, and in it, we're focused more specifically on testing neuroprotective compounds in mouse models 
Alzheimer's disease. We begin this section with paper number nine, ameliorative effect of myrcene in mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. The first author is Kumar, and the last author is Kurana, and this was published in the European Journal of Pharmacology. The authors are affiliated with Lovely Professional University in Punjab, India. In this paper, the authors used an aluminum trichloride degalactose mouse model of Alzheimer's disease to test the compound myrcene. This compound has been shown to offer neuroprotection in cerebral ischemia, and so it was tested here in an AD context. One month of treatment following three months of AD induction with aluminum trichloride was compared to a positive control denepazil, as well as to co-treatment with denepazil. Cognition, locomotion, and biochemical changes were compared. Ultimately, myrcene, either alone or in combination with denepazil, enhanced synaptic plasticity, cholinergic neurotransmission, reduced oxidative damage and neuroinflammation, A-beta aggregation, and morphological changes. It definitely seems worth looking into further as an AD treatment. Paper number 10 is called Amelioration of Scopolamine-Induced Learning and Memory Impairment by the TRIP-V4 Inhibitor HC067047 in ICR mice. The first author is Deng, and the last author is Wan, and this was published in Neuroscience Letters. The authors are affiliated with University of South China and Hainan Medical University in China. TRIP-V4 is a non-selective cation channel, and its inhibition can confer neuroprotection in both ischemic injury and A-beta-40-induced hippocampal cell death. Whether its inhibition can improve scopolamine-induced cognitive deficits in mice is the question that these authors are trying to answer in this paper. The TRIP-V4 inhibitor HC067047 was given IP, or intraperitoneally, and it improved cognitive performance in the novel place and object recognition tests, as well as improving exploration in the Y-maze. Mechanistically, this inhibitor decreased levels of pro-apoptotic proteins including BAX and caspase-3 and increased levels of DCV and NUN, which are markers of neurogenesis and neuronal maturity, respectively. Therefore, inhibiting TRIP-V4 seems like a good target for improving cognition and dementia. Next up is paper number 11, Investigating Neuroprotective Potential of Berberine, Levetiracetam, and Their Combination in the Management of Alzheimer's Disease Utilizing Drug Repurposing Strategy. The first author is Singh, the last author is Mazumdar, and the journal this was published in is Current Reviews in Experimental and Clinical Pharmacology. The authors are affiliated with Amity University, Uttar Pradesh Lucknow Campus, and Noida Institute of Engineering and Technology in India. In this paper, existing drugs were given in combination to look at synergistic effects on neuroprotection in the lead acetate-induced model of neurotoxicity in mice. Levetiracetam and berberine are drugs that are already used in the treatment of epilepsy and diabetes. Here, authors found that repurposing them for AD and giving them in combination with each other resulted in restoring behavioral, biochemical, and enzymatic changes that were induced with lead acetate. They also showed antioxidant potential. Interestingly, they did not show synergism as individual administration of either levetiracetam or berberine proved to have significantly greater effects than the combination of the two. 
We'll have to follow up on these findings to get further insight into the mechanism and why they didn't work as well in combination in this model of neurodegeneration. And with paper number 12, we have protective effects of a small molecule inhibitor DDQ against tau-induced toxicities in a transgenic tau-mouse model of Alzheimer's disease. The first author is Vijayan, and the last author is Reddy, and this was published in Human Molecular Genetics. The authors are affiliated with Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center in the United States. Our final paper is a little different than our other papers as it looks at the phosphorylated tau pathology in Alzheimer's disease. The researchers here used 12-month-old transgenic mice, tau transgenic mice, to test the potential of the compound DDQ for changing mitochondrial dynamics, neurogenesis, synaptogenesis, and naturally, phosphorylated tau levels. They found that mice treated with DDQ had higher levels of mitochondrial fusion, biogenesis, and expression of synaptic genes. DDQ-treated mice also had lower levels of mitochondrial fission as well as phosphorylated tau. The authors conclude, based on this study and their previous findings, that DDQ has the potential to serve as an anti-aging, anti-A-beta, and an anti-phosphorylated tau agent in the context of Alzheimer's disease. If you're interested in tau pathologies, stay tuned for next week where Kate Van Pelt will be hosting an episode on that very subject. We arrive at the end of another episode. If you're interested in anything that you've heard, please check out the episode notes for the bibliography. All the papers that were published on AD have been sorted into bibliographies, even if they're not covered in hosted episodes. So check those out if you don't find the subject you're looking for within our hosted episodes. While you are looking through our episodes, we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a review, as it improves our reach a lot. Recommend us to your friends, connect with us on social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or send us an email with your CV if you're interested in joining our team. A huge thank you to our team. A huge thank you to all of our volunteers that make Aminder a well-oiled machine. First of all, our sorting team, which consists of Jacques, Ellen, Kosh, Ellen Rowe, Nicole, Kate Van Pelt, Christy, and Dana. Thank you also to our management team, which is made up of Sarah, Ellen Kosh, Ellen Rowe, Jacques, Nyla, and myself. Thank you to Kate for editing my script, to Ellen K for reviewing the edited episode. If you like the music that you hear, check out my channels because I'm the one who wrote it. It's AK Music on YouTube or Anusha Kamesh on SoundCloud. We hope you find this podcast useful and accessible. If you do, recommend us to your friends. I hope to meet you again in the next episode I'm hosting on the subject of targeting neurotransmission in AD. You'll find that episode later this week, alongside Glory's episode on changes to synaptic transmission that'll also be released later this week. Thank you for listening. A bientôt.